Welcome to the Ralph Moore Podcast. Gain the leadership advantage as Ralph pulls wisdom from his bag of over 50 years experience in planting and leading multiplying churches. Our goal is to help you live as a leader you'd want to follow. You'll learn about making disciples and planting churches, but beyond that, you'll gain practical wisdom about subjects like how to manage your team, handling difficult people, pulling a congregation off a growth plateau, and even money management. Hey, welcome to the podcast. Today, we get the privilege of interviewing my friend, Luke Edgerton from Mercy Road, Northwest, Indianapolis, Indiana. I got to be with him a couple of weeks ago. Uh, We've met through Exponential and just so admire the things that these people are doing. Welcome to the podcast, Luke. Thanks, Ralph. Thanks for having me. So as we get into this, I want you to just tell everybody a little bit about Mercy Road, because you guys do things a little differently than most people. I mean, a lot of people are kind of following a Stadia model or an Acts 29 model. Uh, You guys are your own animal, and and you're also part of Multiply Indiana, which is very exciting to me. Uh, Just, you know, kind of clue us in, bring us up to speed. Sure. Thanks, Ralph. Absolutely. You're right. Multiply Indiana, Mercy Road Church, these are unique approaches to the multiplication of disciples in churches. Uh, The distinction between Multiply Indiana and Mercy Road Church is Multiply Indiana is our regional network for relational support, pastoral support, and also the multiplication of unique churches with unique DNA and models and values. Um, Mercy Road Church, although from the outside looking in, is a very uh, optically, which is a challenge of ours, optically it looks like one church in multiple locations, which is uh, a model that's existed for dozens of years now. It's really nothing new. Um, We know that it can work in certain places, but it's definitely not what we would say that God has called us to. Uh, we, we don't believe that one church in multiple locations really represents authentically who we are and how we operate as an organization and as a church plant. Instead, Mercy Road Church um, has an organization behind it called the Mercy Road Family of Churches. And the Mercy Road Family of Churches uh, plants Mercy Road Churches. And so we would never call ourselves one church with multiple locations. Yeah. We would characterize ourselves ourselves as five churches with one vision. And each of these unique churches has a unique 501c3 status, a unique bank account, a unique board of directors, a unique lead pastor. Um, so that is what we are excited about is uh, is is really trying to change the landscape of multiplication through church planting, through disciple making, by breaking up power and empowering apostolic impulse and evangelistic leaders to take the gospel and multiply disciples within their unique context and not pretend like um, one guy or gal can can do it for an entire uh, state. And we know that we've seen some of that work, but I believe Frankly, Ralph, I believe the future uh, of the church belongs to those who are willing to break up power and hand it away um, and multiply disciples at a much more efficient rate. So. Yeah, man, you're speaking my language. And, uh, you know, you're you're a pretty nice guy. I'm not. Uh, <laughs> I, I, uh, I've been fighting against this uh, one church multiple multiple location thing most of ever since yeah. anybody invented it. I, I think it's uh, 
holds a lot of people back. We're not releasing people's gifts. And then too no. much power gets concentrated in one individual or or a small group of individuals. I think it's a mistake. And, and, and it seems to me that that flies in the face of everything that I read in the New Testament. And, you know, from where I come from, I I started out as a, as a kind of a punky 19-year-old kid. I got mad at a Bible college, and I was going to go and figure out how to build the Jerusalem church all over, you know, in my lifetime. And as and so I, I sat out on this course. I'm going to read the book of Acts every day for my second year of school. And I made it at least five times a week. I'd read the whole thing straight through. And at first, I was so confused. It's like, well, these guys lost it. As soon as they get out of Jerusalem, it all fell apart. What's wrong with them? Then I began to wake up and mature and realize that the diffusion of the church is the power of the church and that allows the power of the Holy Spirit to work in people's lives. And so I really love what you guys are doing. Come on, dude. And and I'll tell you, the more we can get this message out to younger leaders like me, who definitely had a calling, has a calling, um, but um, was disillusioned by the one church in multiple locations model, which uh, garners way much, way too much power in one centralized group or even one centralized individual. We've seen how that's gone. Yeah. There's very few cases of success for one church in multiple locations and many more examples of implosion yeah. and, and, and collapse because yeah. That one individual or that one board of directors had far too much power. And it's just like, it's almost like let the states represent and empower themselves. I think, you know, it's really, it's really that simple. Let the states govern themselves. Let these church plants um, be led by unique apostolically gifted leaders, because that is the unique secret sauce of the priesthood of all believers. It means that God can use Ralph Moore as much as he can use anybody else. That's what the priesthood of believers means. Um, you know, we all and, give we give lip service to priesthood of all believers. Everybody does, but very few actually practice it. And as you look at what you know you're describing in in the last two three minutes, and, and you and you go overseas, you go into some third world country, some developing nation where they're trying to emulate this model, uh, it, it, then it really, really goes sideways. And, you know, you get little tin pot dictators and it's it's not good. It, it's it's hurt us. It set us back. And, and the numbers prove it. I, I mean, while this has been in ascendancy, overall church growth has been negative uh, over and over again in America. This is, um, it's true. Yeah. So, Luke, Take, take us back to your own journey. Uh, we'll come back to Mercy Road and values and vision and some of these things, because I want to hear about them. And I also do want you to talk from your vantage point about multiple, uh, Multiply Indiana. Uh, we're trying to revive some church multiplication in Hawaii. It's kind of slowed down. And we're looking at you guys as a model as we're trying to get something going. So, but but take us back to Luke Edgerton. I just want to hear your story. Sure. Thanks for asking. I, I grew up as a classic Midwestern kid. I actually grew up in the country. I grew up on a gravel road across from cornfields with dogs and John Deere tractors and go-karts. My whole childhood was marked by that kind of an experience. Uh, lots of good memories. I was very lucky and privileged to have gotten to grow up in a, a family that's still intact with a mom and dad who are still together, two older brothers. Uh, they they drug us to church every weekend, <laughs> uh, kicking and screaming. I didn't have a choice. Um, I, I Until about eight years old, I went to a church, uh, a, a United Methodist church, and I have great memories of that church. Um, until I was about eight, and 
And I remember coming uh, and jumping in the family van. My mom goes, what did you learn at uh, in Sunday school this morning, Luke? And they go, oh, I kissed Sally on the, on the cheek. And she just started laughing. And my mom and dad came to terms with, we need to find a church that offers a strong <laughs> kids and student ministry program. Uh, so that, you know, that helped my family find a, a church where um, there was a lot more growing families. And I loved that first church, but it was just funny because, you know, I don't know when a, when a church uh, isn't aggressive about getting the gospel out and multiplying, you know, it can turn into something that was never intended to be more like a country club than an airport. Um, anyhow, uh, I grew up in a church called Grace Community Church. I still honor and love that church. They're down the road. I know the lead pastor. He has succeeded his father. Uh, he's my age. And um, I really didn't take my faith seriously at all, Ralph, until I was about 17. And I um, went on a snowboard trip, classic getaway experience with youth ministry, was invited to go with my youth group. Something about the way that the presenter presented the gospel, it clicked with me. I understood it. It went from my head to my heart. You know, I surrendered my life to Jesus in the woods uh, on a cold winter night when I was 17 and it changed my life forever. Um, And that's just the power of the gospel spoken over someone's life. And, you know, if, if faith comes from hearing, right, that's what the Bible says, faith comes from hearing, we must speak the gospel and not pretend like our lives can be representative enough to yeah. show Je- who Jesus is. Like Paul warned against that. He said that even at your best, you still look like used up rags. So um, I think that's a humbling, sobering reality we have to confront. So we must speak the gospel. I- I'm a result of that. Yeah. Um, and I think I was maybe 20 when I was uh, a, soft- a freshman in college. I went to go work at a summer camp. Uh, in Southern Indiana as a camp counselor. And I was like this 20, 21 year old hanging out with 13, 14, 15 year olds, uh, sharing Jesus with them and doing all kinds of cool summer outdoorsy activities. And I remember the Lord's spirit was on my heart and soul and said, you're going to be a youth pastor for the first part of your adult life. (laughs) And that's exactly what happened. And so I got into church ministry and I was a youth pastor for 10 years. Uh, And then in 2017, I was at the Orlando Exponential Conference. And I don't know whoever, whatever talking head was on stage at that conference in 2017. I was out in the balcony trying to hide because (laughs) I thought that I wanted to participate, but I didn't want to have to obey the Lord. And so I had a Gideon fleece moment like I couldn't even describe. I just remember saying to the Lord, okay, I will plant a church or I will go take a church that needs a leader because I know that you've been calling me to do that for years now. And I've said no to you for years now. I will do it if you have someone come up to me and place their hand on my left shoulder, right? So this fleece either needs to be wet or dry, God, right? I'm Gideon. Please throw out a bone for me. I need you to show up. And it was all of 10 seconds later in a pensive moment of worship and prayer with my hands in my face that some guy, I don't know who he was. I don't even know what he said. It didn't matter. He just came up to me, smacked his big old mitt on my left shoulder and just started praying God's heavenly prayers over me. And I just remember surrendering in that moment and saying, you got it, you got it. And so exponential has made these deposits in me over the last five or six years that have really uh, produced some fruit. And I, I wouldn't be the leader that I am without exponential and really without just a basic premise and understanding of multiplication by disciple making and the priesthood of all believers being the secret sauce for all church success. Um, and so that turned into planting a Mercy Road Church. And uh, that's that's where, that's where we are now. So I got out of youth ministry. And although I loved it, I couldn't handle the nights and weekends anymore. So I actually love leading a church. It's obviously comes with different stressors and challenges, but my nights and weekends are better. So 
<laughs> so as you talk about that nights and weekends, and uh, t- tell us a little bit more about the exponential experiences, plural, yep. and we're, you know where exponential because to me exponential was my savior. You know, I mm-hmm. I was kind of you know the whole world wanted to be a mega church, and we're mm-hmm. trying to give away people and always odd man out. And I finally found a home. When I met Todd Wilson and Bill Kokenauer and, and Dave and all these guys, and I'm so thankful for these people. And I'll just do anything I can to try to support what's going on with Exponential. Tell, tell us a little bit more about that. I, I, I want people to be attracted to Exponential. Of course. Of course. Well, if you're listening and you're, you characterize yourself as a leader in your 20s or your 30s, and you feel like you're called to church planting, there is an organization called Exponential that wants to make deposits into you. And so I would definitely get to know them. But I have an explicitly clear memory of sitting in some hard side trailer kind of pop-up building that was outside of that very large, beautiful facility in Orlando, sitting in this room with really old chairs from like the 70s in 2017. And there was these guys sitting around me that I didn't know. One of those, one of these guys was Ralph Moore. Another guy was Bill Konkenauer. Another guy was this. Another guy was like, I I don't even know why I'm here. I know that I was invited. I came here. I knew the Lord was doing something in my life. I didn't know what. I didn't know how to name that something in my life. And then Bill starts talking about something. Then you start talking about something. And I'm like, what are these guys talking about? You know, what are these guys talking about? Like, I got programs to run. Like I got, you know, we got, we got to manage the, you know, the magnet of addition, you know, in that three kind of category of the one through five. And I remember thinking like, they don't, they're not really speaking my language. I don't, I don't get this. And then after the weekend transpired and I began to pick up on bits and pieces, sound bites of language, and I began to have a a new language to represent disciple making through multiplication, which results in church planting. I was like, oh my gosh, I've gotten the cart before the horse. And I finally had language and I finally had understanding that the one thing God called me to do, which was to make disciples, was the last thing I was doing. I was just managing the addition of number three. I was growing big things, but creating zero disciples. And um, so when I surrendered to the disciple making process by really discerning the Lord and saying yes to church planting, um, that accelerated, you know, these last few years and into where I am now and how I'm serving now, but that has directly impacted the last two and a half years of this church plant. And, uh, we wouldn't be where we are at without those dominoes being in place. So it was pretty cool, man. So here you are, you're in a, 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 a fairly recent church plant. Yeah. It's grown quite quickly. Yeah. And it's not the typical story of, oh my gosh, we hit town, we did a wonderful marketing thing and I'm hot and everybody's come to listen to me. Um, <laughs> you're you're actually doing the, the nuts and bolts. You're making disciples who make disciples who make disciples. Tell, tell us about, you know, I, I don't know, were you a youth pastor with Mercy Road? How did you get involved with Mercy Road? And then take us through, take us through some of the garbage parts, some of the hard parts of, of getting started because, you know, everybody looks at you guys and goes wonderful success. And, and I was so impressed. One, one of the things that impressed me when I was at your campus a couple of weeks ago is I, I saw furniture that's not expensive and fancy, but very cool. And, and I thought, man, this place, everything they do reeks of their values. And mm-hmm. so uh, 
the values get tested. We, we start out, we're idealistic. We know where God wants us. We know the word. We've made these hard decisions that you made. Uh, the, I'll, I'll leave the a pretty enjoyable life of a youth pastor, and I'm going to go and do this other thing. And then, the you know, the, 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 the tough part comes along. Take us through some of that. Yes, I was a youth pastor. I was uh, our parent church's youth pastor. So the Mercy Road Church that planted us, Mercy Road Church. Mm-hmm. Um, I was their youth pastor for a few years, uh, which was really my, which was really cutting my teeth in church plant world. Yeah. Um, I had never been in church plant world before. I'd only served in very large, large churches with massive uh, youth ministries and massive youth ministry budgets, creating zero disciples. Um, so the the hard parts of that is, you know, the entire time we felt like we were flying this plane while we were building it. And I know that that's a figure of speech that illustrates a lot of people's experiences when they uh, step out in faith and they have a little bit more of an apostolic impulse and they're a little bit more entrepreneurial in mind. And I definitely, uh, you know, I'm an A and T on the A past. Um, I'm a three on the Enneagram. I'm a risk taker. I'm a futurist. Uh, you know, I, I have a high risk tolerance. And so some of these things, the Lord's already wired me in that, in that way, a little bit from the, from the onset, the hard part was we had a vision for multiplication, multiplying disciples, multiplying churches. We had a vision for it. We didn't yet have strategy structure bones to support that vision. We just had a prayer. We had a dream. We had a vision, but we didn't have a budget. We didn't have a plan. We didn't have all the leaders in place yet. So each one of those things really came at the right time and in the Lord's time. And looking back five years now, God's never in a hurry. I was in a hurry. I was rushed, but God is never in a hurry. And uh, I almost wish I could go back and give it a second try and just try to go a little bit more slowly because there was a couple of times there, Ralph, when we were uh, gutting and remodeling the facility that we bought um, that I was about this close uh, to throwing in the towel and saying, this is too hard. I don't want to do this. I got into church planting to multiply disciples and to reach the lost, not to gut and remodel facilities. Um, So it was just an added asset for the kingdom that I didn't realize I was getting myself into. And I'm a horrible general contractor and church planters make awful uh, building swappers. We are not the kind of people that know how to gut and remodel facilities. And so that's where you had to depend on the priesthood of all believers to come to the surface and identify the experts in the room to handle what the priesthood of all believers needed to handle. Our facility is about the best example of the priesthood of believers coming to the surface and saying, yes, I'll take this, I'll take this, I'll take this. Uh, We've seen a lot more of examples that are not a part of the building happen recently, um, but the building remodel was really, really, really tough. Uh, and I would not recommend it for anybody uh, <laughs> because it almost took me out of the game, but it didn't uh, by God's grace, not anything for me by God's grace. We, we stuck through it and we got through it in our first service in 2019, we had nine people spontaneously baptized in their street clothes. The Holy Spirit rushed into the room. We, we had all kinds of crazy, miraculous things happen. Um, So a lot of neat stories, but a lot of pain in the process because leaders love to disagree. When you get church planters trying to plant churches together, oh my gosh, sparks fly because iron sharpens iron. When you get iron, you sharpen iron, you get sparks flying everywhere, man. And so it was tough. It was tough. So as as we move on in our talk here a little bit, I want to hear 
how how does um, Multiply Indiana work? How does it affect you? Uh, I know there's a fairly, at least my understanding is there's a fairly high bar. I mean, you got to be really committed or you don't even get in the group. It's not like we're begging people. Uh, talk to us a little bit about that and the, and the vision that you guys carry. Yeah. Multiply Indiana exists as this regional network that um, not just offers pastoral support to church planners, but to um, offer a community and offer a funding platform in the amounts of $50,000 that would be granted to an up-and-coming church. And we only plant in Indiana. That's the unique thing about Multiply Indiana is that we only plant in Indiana and we rely on outside donors uh, as well as a 3% in perpetuity from each of the church plants that exist within Multiply Indiana. So part of it is self-funded through those church plants and 3%. It's also funded by um, outside donors um, that want to be involved in that way. Uh, So our vision is to plant 100 churches in 10 years. Um, We believe we got that vision when we as Multiply Indiana went through a learning community cohort offered by Exponential in 2019 out in California. I was a part of that cohort. I remember getting on my knees with the other pastors from these multiple Indiana churches and praying and begging God for the provisions and the wisdom to plant 100 churches in 10 years through that regional network of multiple Indiana. Um, And so these would not be Mercy Road churches. So I really want to make sure that it's understood there's a separation between Mercy Road family of churches, which is its own entity, and multiple Indiana, which is is its own entity, one plants unique churches, one plants Mercy Road churches. Um, so, And I'm part of both of them. It's a beautiful privilege. I get to learn from the best of the best in the state. It's been fun. So some of the people are um, in denominations. So yes. they're, they're having to throw funds at the denomination. At the same time, they believe enough in what's going on with Multiply Indiana that they're investing in Multiply Indiana. That's right. That's right. And you can be a part of Multiply Indiana and not be financially involved the relationship just looks a little bit different. Um, and so when you are financially involved, uh, you know, you have a lot more voice at the table, if you will. And so, you know, we, we try to, we try to honor people's financial involvement that way. I like that. I, yeah. I, I like the fact that, um, I mean, it's kind of a put up or shut up model in a way. Mm-hmm. You, you guys have a lot of, I, 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 I hesitate to use the word mercy when we're talking about multiplying the <laughs> because I don't want to confuse the vocabulary. Uh, but you you do show a lot of mercy toward those that aren't that involved. But on the other hand, uh, there there's a real um, there there's an edge there. And you know, I I was in that meeting with you guys in 2019. I I wasn't yeah. there while you were praying, but I I got to meet Ethan Fernhaber and uh, mm-hmm. Josh, I think several of the guys. And it's like, whoa, these guys are not playing here. If you enjoyed today's podcast, be sure to subscribe and check his blog at ralphmoore.net.